Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports to the max. Mike Max has the night off and a lovely night it is. You know, there's just certain days in in the spring, summer, and fall where you're just like, ah, it doesn't get any better than this in these parts. And tonight is one of those. Just a beautiful evening. Uh, last night I was doing a Legion game on cable TV up here in the northern suburbs. It was Andover at Anoka. And it looked like there's no way we're going to get this ball game in. There's no way. Um, it was cloudy. It was humid. It just wanted to rain. And it never did. And they were keeping an eye on the radar. No lightning in the area, of course. And by the time we got later in the ball game, the clouds started to thin out. The humidity started to go out of the air. And it just turned out to be a great night at the ballpark. And there was enough breeze to keep the mosquitoes away. And, uh, by the way, Andover got the better of Anoka in that rivalry. Whatever the sport, whether it's Legion Ball or VFW or high school sports, pretty good rivalry up there in Anoka County. And uh, Andover prevails in that one last night. But uh, turned out to be a pretty good night. And we've got a great night tonight here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Before the news, we talked about Rudy Gobert meeting the media today. And speaking of the media, Chris Hine joins us, covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune, and joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Chris, how you been? I'm good, Steve. How you doing? Yeah, good. Busy day today. Rudy Gobert in town. And and I got to admit, love the accent. That That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I took French in uh, in high school, so looking forward to maybe uh, dusting off some of the some of the French I learned and getting the, that back into my head when I'm able to chat with Rudy more one on one in the future for sure. Yeah, and uh, certainly a huge deal, making headlines all over the NBA. A, a gigantic move. We all know what the Timberwolves gave up, including draft picks in the future. It, it is all about winning now. Clearly, the Timberwolves are in that mode. They want to win now. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and now Rudy Gobert, the centerpieces. But but a big part of that is D'Angelo Russell, and he was asked about that. And uh, anybody who heard the press conference or was paying attention, that, that did come up on how he fits with Ant and with D'Lo. Yeah, and, and I think Rudy Gobert, you know, one of the things that, he brings on the offensive end of the floor is his ability to screen and, and roll and, and be a big lob threat um, at the basket. It's one of the things he does maybe better than anybody in the NBA. And so I think he's going to be able to enhance those guys' games in that aspect. Um, you know, we'll see what Chris Finch, you know, as as he gets to drawing up uh, what they want to do offensively next year, how he's, exactly going to deploy those skill sets but 
I think initially, I think it enhances their pick and roll game. Uh, and especially that's something that D'Lo can thrive in, finding his space to operate, you know, whether it's in the mid-range or, or from the outside. And, you know, Gobert can roll and, and, and score inside, uh, no problem. So I think it's going to really enhance those uh, that aspect of their offense. And this is all on what had or what, what the roster looks like for the Timberwolves at the moment. There still could be some moves. Uh, is it a foregone conclusion that no matter what, D'Angelo Russell is here when the season starts in the fall? I mean, you never say never to anything, right? But I, I, it certainly seems more likely than I think I would have pegged it a, two weeks ago, for instance. So, you know, you spend your draft capital uh, to get Gobert in here. So, you know, in a theoretical trade, if you were going to be moving on from D'Angelo Russell, and you might have to give up a draft pick to make that happen. They don't. It's they don't really have a pick to do that with at the moment. So it would have to be an interesting kind of trade um, to make that happen if 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 it was going to happen. But I think uh, you know, it seems to be that that D'Lo will be the starting point guard next year. But again, you never want to say never because things can change very quickly in in the nba now just on the money side gobert towns d'angelo russell that's a lot of money tied up in three guys and at some point uh the d'angelo russell contract would come off the books because anthony edwards and uh his second deal beyond his rookie deal looms that's right. So they have a, they kind of have a two-year window here yeah. where I, they're going to be able to stay under the luxury tax, I think, because uh, Edwards and McDaniel's will still be on their rookie deals for the next two years. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with D'Lo and his salary slot. You know, one thing that you know you're able to do in the NBA is if you re-sign your own players or kind of make trades, you're able to operate as a team that goes above the salary cap but below the luxury tax and that's where the wolves are right now they're kind of in that in that area above the cap but below the luxury tax so if you know you you let Delo walk uh you you suddenly become under the salary cap and i'm not sure what their ability to to sign players that would put them above the cap but below the tax would be it's it's very convoluted and complicated um (laughs) it's probably too complicated to get into on a a short radio segment but uh it it, we'll see kind of how they handle kind of that that 30 million dollar salary slot that d'angelo russell represents currently on the roster you know do they re-sign him you know do they try to trade him to to you know maybe get players on longer contracts who knows um so you know we'll see what they have in store but they have some time to to mull that over and you know they have some time to see how D'Lo will fit with uh Rudy Gobert in this new configuration before maybe they make some long longer term decisions on that front yeah, and a little bit more about D'Angelo Russell because it, it it seemed at at the end of the series with Memphis when he didn't play at crunch time in game six that he he's gone he's he's out the door they're going to move him they're going to move on from D'Angelo Russell that never happened Tim Conley comes aboard makes this big deal brings in Gobert and now it seems like D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert are a better fit together Carl Anthony Towns Anthony Edwards you've got some real star power and some talent there where you know ultimately they 
they get into the top six in the NBA's Western Conference, they qualify for the playoffs, they win a first-round playoff game, and they move into that group with Golden State, Phoenix, Dallas, and Denver at the top of the conference. And, you know, who knows once you get into the playoffs. But but ultimately, D'Angelo Russell might be in a good spot from a Timberwolves perspective because he's playing for a big contract beyond next year. That, that he would go into this season highly motivated to prove everyone that, hey, I'm worth the money. Right, and and the last time he was in a contract year was the year he made the All-Star game. So we've seen him get motivated before by you know an impending contract negotiation. Um, and, you know, all it takes is in the NBA, this happened to Russell last time, is one team just has to offer you a max contract or whatever, and you're a max player. Now, I don't know if he's going to make that kind of money um, based on what a max contract would be for him. Um, but, you know, if he comes out and has a good year, which certainly possible, especially with the new dynamic on the team, you know, he, we saw him make some strides defensively last season. Um, and I think with Gobert, I, I, I just assume that that's going to continue on the defensive end of the floor that, that Gobert is going to kind of cover up a lot of issues that the Wolves had at times last year. Um, you know, I, we'll see. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that if there's no clarity uh, for the Wolves, at least in terms of D'Angelo Russell's status going into a contract year. Um, I don't think you need to come to a decision this summer. You can kind of see how things play out during the course of the season. Yeah, and certainly Glenn Taylor's new partners, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, uh, definitely pushed for Tim Connolly comes in. I, I wonder, and wonder out loud, how much they push for a big splash. Let's go all in. Let's try and win now because ultimately they'll take the reins of the team as, as Glenn Taylor exits stage right. Yeah, and so you know, I think they're very fired up about it. Um, you know, as they take over in the winter, I think of 2023, uh, you know, you're going to have a team that they hope is a top four contender in the West for the next at least couple of years, three, four years uh, down the road here. So that's the vision. That's the idea. Uh, you know, I, I think it's <laughs> listen. Timberwolves basketball has had a lot of not exciting times, to put it mildly. Right. This is one of the most exciting times you, you can you can imagine. I think I think probably, you know, when when Jimmy when the trade for Jimmy Butler happened, it was it was a big moment. Um, you know, we'll see what happens here. See, there could be more stability here, but nothing's guaranteed to work out. Um, but for a franchise that's only made one Western Conference Finals appearance, it, it's it's the arrow is pointing up. That's for sure. Chris Hyten covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. Busy day with Rudy Gilbert meeting the media earlier, and we'll have more audio later on in the program. And, of course, some more on Lake Night with Henry here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. And with that all-in attitude, the the one thing that has translated, and we we saw the emergence of this team and the fact that they were ultimately were going to be a playoff team, the, the fans really responded. And a big part of that is getting butts in seats and eyeballs in front of televisions and ears in front of radio and, and building excitement. That That's ultimately that what, what pays the bills here. And, you know, by going all in, you know, I, I'm sure they're banking on it, this team being 
a tough ticket in downtown Minneapolis most nights. Yes, 100%. Um, you know, that's another thing. You look back through attendance, and the Timberwolves consistently towards the bottom of the NBA in attendance. I don't foresee that happening next season. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think you just got you just have to give these fans something to buy into because for decades, you know, these fans have been sold one thing or another and you have to with this team you have to prove it. You have to prove that you're a winner and you have to win over the fans that way. You you can't just expect the fans to come blindly when they when they've put up with mediocre basketball for so long. So last year I think was a big step in that direction where you could see you could see something forming. You see the talent. You see Anthony Edwards. You see Carl Anthony Towns, a good coach and Chris Finch. And now you make kind of that move that you think is going to get you to the next step. So I think it's it's an important. It's also it, it is an important signal from the Wolves to the fan base that look we are trying to go places with this. We're not settling for you know, uh, a first-round exit. We are trying to go deep into the Western Conference playoffs to maybe make a title run if, if everything breaks right. Um, and, you know, it's it's what fans deserve, uh, especially those that really have stuck by this team through through uh, thick and a lot of thin. Yeah, and it's so interesting. And before the top of the hour, I brought this up. You've got Golden State, the champs now in the West. You have Phoenix, and their their playoff run really fizzled. You you've got an emerging Dallas team and and Doncic, and then of course you got Jokic in in Denver. And if the Timberwolves can be in that mix in that conversation, that's pretty good. I mean that that's fun. It is. It is. We'll see what happens with with Phoenix, uh, you know, and DeAndre Ayton and how that situation plays out. But you know, it, it, Western Conference is going to be tough no matter what, and. You have the possibility. I think one thing though, that you're going to see, maybe, <laughs> you, you have the possibility of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving breaking up in Brooklyn here, and maybe ending up on two different Western Conference teams. You know, if, if you look at all the rumors with the Lakers and Kyrie, and and you know potentially the Suns being a destination for Durant. So. You know, that's two teams that potentially get really elevated <laughs> based on who they might be able to trade for this offseason. Um, so and I think the Wolves see that. And, you know, you see that the, that this landscape is not going to get any easier anytime soon. So you have to do something. You have a chance to strike. They made their move. You know, they've they've made their bed for the next four or five years, however long this might play out. Um They've made their move, and now we'll see where it takes them from here. Yeah, and uh, the the cornerstones now: Cat, Gobert, Anthony Edwards, and you got D'Angelo Russell. At least uh, the way it looks for one more season. Hey, Chris, always good to visit with you. Appreciate your coverage in the Star Tribune and online at StarTribune.com. Thanks, Steve. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, there he is, Chris Hine on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. More on the Timberwolves coming up. Um, as constructed at the moment, is this the best Wolves team ever? I know they haven't played a game, so it's tough, but does it feel like it could surpass the Kevin Garnett era and that one trip to the Western Conference Finals? They came so close. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that 
in a moment here on Sports the Max. Steve in for Mike here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Rudy Gobert in the fold. Met the media today. We'll have more Rudy Gobert audio coming up before the end of the program tonight here on Sports to the Max. And then Henry Lake on Lake Night. A lot of comments about Gobert and uh, the Timberwolves. By the way, Twins get beat by the White Sox today in 10. One that got away 9-8 the final on the south side. Twins take two out of three. And they leave the Windy City with the lead. They have a day off tomorrow. They open a three-game series with the Rangers down in Texas on Friday night. Our coverage begins at 6.30. Chris Atterbury on the pregame. Corey Provis, Dan Gladden with all the play-by-play here on the home of the Twins. They lose 9-8 in 10. We'll talk more about that. About this Timberwolves team. Now you got Cap. Now you got Ant. You got Gobert. Uh, likely D'Angelo Russell playing a role in all of this. Could this Timberwolves team surpass the great Timberwolves teams under Kevin Garnett that made all those playoff appearances but ultimately made only one trip to the Western Conference Finals in 04 where they got beat by the L.A. Lakers uh, four games to two. Uh, that was KG, that, that was Spreewell and company. Sam Cassell, part of that team. And I'm going to just say, there, there's no way you can go there at this point. There be, because, number one, Kevin Garnett's the greatest player in Timberwolves franchise history, until proven otherwise. And Carl Anthony Towns is on a, a good trajectory as a super max player and done a lot of good things. But, but he's not at Kevin Garnett level. And I don't think Rudy Gobert is at Kevin Garnett level. And Anthony Edwards, we, we still don't know what his upside is. I think we have a pretty good idea what D'Angelo Russell is. And if he fits in and wants to be a part of this thing, this upcoming season, they could do some really nice things. But but until they reach that level where, where they win a playoff series or two or get to a conference finals or, dare I say, an NBA finals, I don't think he can make any comparison. Chris, uh, how do you think? On paper, could this team be as good as that Timberwolves team of 03-04? I don't think it can be, and I don't think it will be. Because you mentioned Kevin Garnett, and I, I went through the starting five, and, and this is my own personal take, right? You got D. Lowe, Ant, Jade McDaniels, Cat, and Rudy Gobert. Let's go back to that 03-04 team. That so close to winning the Western Conference. Sam Cassell, Wally Zerbiak, Latrell Sprewell, Trenton Hassel, and KG. Now, again, this is just me doing this on the fly. I think Sam Cassell better than D'Lo. Agree or disagree? Um, Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Okay, I, I, I feel like defensively. But, and we've already talked about KG. Yeah, oh, yeah. Abs- absolutely. Uh, Ant, I think, better than Wally. Uh, yep. uh, Latrell Sprewell, better than McDaniels. Yep. Cat, Trenton Hassel, no comparison, no disrespect to uh, uh, Trenton Hassel. And, w- and then when you're talking about the five, KG over, over Rudy Gobert. So I think even individually, you had the big three that right now are bigger than the big two for the Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert is that third, I, I feel, but at the end of the day, this team hasn't played one single game. I know we're in our feelings. We love it. 
you know, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, let's get out the, the pom-poms, we're drinking the Kool-Aid, everything like that. But at the end of the day, let's let's not set unrealistic expectations. It's nice to it's nice to have expectations, but let's pump the brakes on best team ever. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They they haven't played a game. They haven't played a season together. So, number one, uh, I'll say what I said before the top of the hour: top six or bust, and win a playoff series or bust. If the, if they don't finish in the top six and they squeak into the – now you don't know how injuries are going to play, and, and you don't know what's going to happen on that front. But assuming the group stays relatively healthy, should be at top six in the NBA's Western Conference, and you got to get a playoff series win. Beyond that, you, you get into that final four in the conference, I, I think that would be a good start for this group. All right, we got to run 7.30. We're going to come back, talk a little golf. Of course, there's a PGA Tour versus Live, the Saudi finance tour that's picking off some of the veteran players. Uh, oh, by the way, the Open Championship is coming up at St. Andrews, the 150th British Open. Tiger will play. Ron Syrak, longtime golf journalist, will join us on the other side of the weather. Here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Lovely summer evening here in the Twin Cities, partly cloudy, 80 degrees. Our dew point 65, so there is a little humidity, variable winds at 5 miles an hour. For tonight, mostly cloudy, a low near 69. Tomorrow, cloudy, 84. Friday, sunny, 85. Uh, 85 again on Saturday. Chance of thunderstorms on Sunday, and 86. And I'm going to play golf with my daughter at Figures. There's a chance of thunderstorms on Sunday. We have a 1 o'clock tea time Sunday at uh, the local Muni. And looking forward to it uh, here in the Twin Cities. Partly cloudy, 80 degrees. Speaking of golf, Ron Syrak coming up here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Sports to the max. Here at News Talk, E3OWCCO. Twins fall to the White Sox 9-8 in 10 innings. White Sox salvage the final game of the three-game series. Twins... Uh, Still in first, lead Cleveland and Chicago in the American League Central. They're on their way to Texas. They had have a day out Thursday before they open a uh, series on Friday night. Pre-game 6.30, Sonny Gray on the mound. He's been very good. He will take on uh, the Rangers. Chris Atterbury gets us started Friday night. Then Corey Provost, Stan Gladden with all the play-by-play. More on the Twins game today, a couple of highlights. Uh, Rocco Baldelli and his bullpen use uh, before 9 o'clock as well. Let's talk golf. And Ron Syrak joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And Ron is a contributor on Golf Channel, an author, and a PGA Lifetime Achievement and Journalism Award winner, an LPGA Media Excellence Award winner. Ron, always good to visit with you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, good to visit with you a week from tomorrow, the Open uh, at St. Andrews, the 150th, and you've had a chance to cross the pond and cover opens at St. Andrews. Yeah, I've done the men four times there and the women twice there. It's uh, it's, it's truly a special, special place. Uh, you feel the history when you're there, and and it, it's a golf course where, and it's going to be interesting to see, um, when the wind's not blowing, there are probably six drivable par fours in that golf course now. But it's the kind of golf course where, uh, and I saw Rory McIlroy do this, you could shoot 63 one day and then the wind blows the next day and you shoot 81. So it's always fun to watch how, how nature plays a role in that event. 
and, and there has been a fair amount of hand-wringing about the weather and hoping that there is weather, whether it's wind or rain or cold or a combo of those, to protect the golf course because we know over the years uh, the clubs have changed and the golf ball has changed. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think is pretty cool about the RNA, the Royal and Ancient Golf Club, is if somebody goes 17, 18 under because it was benign weather, they don't go crazy over that. They just say, well, that's it. You know, if the weather, if the wind blows next year, though, even Paro win the tournament. Um, you know, the greens, and it's one of the things I like about about British Open golf in general is uh, the greens don't putt at crazy speeds like they do for U.S. Open uh, because of the way the wind blows there. You know, and I, I've been at British Opens where play has been stopped because the wind was blowing so hard the balls wouldn't stand still on the greens. But, you know, you get a U.S. Open, the greens might putt 13, 13 and a half on a stimp, and they're going to putt more like 10 at a British Open. And it makes it fun because more putts can go in the hole. Yeah, and it, it, it's a completely different kind of golf that generally we see here in the States. There, there are some some courses that maybe mimic open golf that uh, people will see on television every now and then. But but it is unique the, the the way it is played in an open championship. Yeah, you know, when Ernie Els first came over and started playing in the States and, you know, he had cut his teeth on the European tour, he said, you know, in the States you need one shot, the high shot with spin. Well, the high shot with spin doesn't do you any good at all in in Britain because <laughs> if the wind's blowing, you don't want to hit it high. And, uh, um, you know, so the, the um, uh, approach shots the, the, is played more of a, a ground game. You know, the shots, you're going to see a lot of bump and runs. You, you see people putting from maybe 20, 30 yards off the greens there. It, it's a very, very different style of, of golf. And, and you can't just step on the tee and play bomb and gouge golf. You can't hit the ball 340, hope you find it, and hit it again. You got because of the pot bunkers. You got to know where all the bunkers are. You got to know your layup yardages. And uh, I, I think, by and large, British Open courses have held up well against modern technology because of the weather and because of the links land there. Uh, because uh, it takes the driver out of the long hitter's hands on a lot of holes. So St Andrews front and center. Uh, next week, uh, always look forward to it. Uh, and what's great, most can get up uh, and catch a little golf before they head off to work uh, on television. So it is a fun event. Tiger Woods will play. That That's certainly a headline. And there's been a lot of talk since Tiger's accident, and he ultimately came back and found a way to make the cut at the Masters. Uh, skipped uh, or played the PGA, didn't play very well, skipped the U.S. Open, and now he's going to tee it up at the Open Championship next week. And the thought is, is that as Tiger gets older, that this is probably his best chance to add to his major total. Yeah, there's a couple reasons. It's 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 uh, um, not that difficult of a golf course to walk. Not a lot of elevation changes there. Um, uh, for reasons that I said before, the driver's not all that important of a golf club. He can hit that stinger two iron off the tee and 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 play his way around the course that way. And uh, um, he he knows the golf course very very well. Also, he uh, he he's played it uh, a bunch of times and he's won there twice. Uh, so he's he's got he's got good feelings to tie into there. Uh, it is a golf course that um, um, with, will get his adrenaline going. 
but it's also going to be the kind of golf course that's going to be accessible to where his game is right now. Um, you know, I think if he played Brookline for the U.S. Open and if he was hitting the ball to some of that fescue there, he'd have had trouble. But I, I think he can keep the ball in play at St. Andrews. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that he's going to be on the leaderboard on Sunday, but I expect him to get to the weekend. Yeah, and I, I should bring up uh, the U.S. Open. That was uh, in your backyard, so to speak, at the Country Club in Brookline. And uh, the course uh, stood up well. There were a lot of people saying, get the Country Club on a regular rotation. I'm not sure the members want that, but uh, <laughs> uh, it held up very well. It, it was a great U.S. Open. It was a terrific U.S. Open, and, and, and I think the um, uh, I think the members who have resisted uh, um, you know, having it come back, uh, I'm, I did the first U.S. Open. I did 1988 was here, Curtis Strange, Nick Faldo playoff. And, and uh, the members didn't want it to come back mostly because in the 99 Ryder Cup there, they let too many people, spectators on the golf course. They had 40,000 people there. It's an old, an old footprint, that golf course. Not a lot of land. It was too jammed in. So they held the, the attendance down this time. And I think that pleased the members that, that uh, I think there's 25,000 they capped it at. So you could work your way around, and the members were thrilled at how how well received the golf course was by not only the players but the uh, viewing public. Yeah, and it, it, it's probably a course I'll never be invited to play. Uh, but the good <laughs> news is, um, if I want to shell out the money, I could get on at St Andrews. So there's that. Yeah, you know, to me, that's one of the cool <laughs> things about about the great golf courses in Britain is that uh, you can get on to. Almost all of them. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like that. And now, now Pebble Beach as well, if you're willing to shell out the money, you can, can play Pebble Beach. Some of the uh, private clubs are a little bit more limited. But uh, just a final thought on the country club in Brookline. Is there a thought? Because I know the USGA is handing out championships well down the road. Are, are they in the mix for a future U.S. Open? I don't think they have a date penciled in yet, but okay. uh, um, yeah, but they uh, are going to be. I, I would imagine that they will be in there. Uh, look, the USGA is setting up a rota much like the British Open has. You know, the rota's got about a half dozen golf courses that they circulate through, and we're seeing right now the USGA is in love with Pebble Beach on the West Coast. They're in love with Oakmont. Um, they like Shinnecock. Uh, you know, th- there are, there are places that they're they are going to go to uh, regularly and. I don't think that um, that Brookline will be some a place that they're going to go to every six or seven years, but I, I think that we're not going to have to wait uh, a couple of decades to get back there. Next week will be the second major where uh, Liv meets the PGA Tour and, and other stars from the world of golf, and this isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, there were a lot of raised eyebrows. One, one of the defectors from the PGA Tour Taylor Gooch said some things about live golf so far that, that raised some eyebrows, Ron. Yeah. He said that, uh, <laughs> I guess he was on the winning team in, in, in the, the team event and the second event in Portland. And he said, I've never been to a Ryder cup or a president's cup, but I can't imagine it's any better than this. <laughs> I, I couldn't go let him get away with that. I sort of tweeted out, well, I, I've been to 11 Ryder cups, you know, and, and, and I said, and uh, I, and you need a better imagination because <laughs> it's nothing like this. So, well, I, I, I'm fascinated at how personally 
players are taking it now. We saw Billy Horschel this week at, at the uh, in the uh, prelude to the Scottish Open this week um, just call the players who've gone to Lib Golf hypocrites. And what he wants them to say, and I sort of agree with him on this, is just say it's about the money. That's why you're doing it. You're doing it for the, the guaranteed money. And, uh, yeah, and Graham McDowell, uh, Ron, um, yeah. basically alluded to the fact that, hey, the PGA Tour is hard. You know, I, I'm at a point in my career where I've paid my dues. I've won golf tournaments. He's got a major on his resume. And week in and week out on the PGA Tour, it's hard to win the Quad Cities Open. It's hard to win the 3M Open at the TPC of the Twin Cities coming up later this month. It is hard. It is very difficult because the fields are so deep. Yeah, you know, and uh, um, uh, you go over and you play a live event, and in addition to whatever appearance money you might be getting, last place is $120,000. So, you know, I mean, you could, uh, I think I wrote Andy Ogletree, who finished last in the first event, shot rounds of 81, 77, 75. The guy could play all eight live events this year, never break 75, and make $960,000. And that just, you know, to me, I don't see how that um, grows the game of golf, you know. I mean, it doesn't grow anything except the um, um, the checkbooks of the, the guys who are playing in it. Yeah, and if and if everyone just came out and said, yeah, it is about the money. If they just said, hey, I, I'm here for the money and the guarantees, and and I'm good with it. Now they will appear, and it and it will be a sidebar. But I I think we found at the U.S. Open that there were some stories about how the live guys fared compared to the PGA Tour guys, etc. But when the tournament starts, it is about the oldest championship in golf next Thursday. Yeah, you know, um, this week at the uh, at the at the Scottish Open, they uh, um, they they first tried to ban the live players from the Scottish Open, and then uh, a court issued a temporary injunction, so they're there. But what they've done at Live is is the the tournament director essentially paired all the Live players together, you know, which was sort of a a little backhanded slap at them. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to see some of we're going to see some of that, but. Well, when you get right down to it, it's it's a it's the oldest golf tournament in the world played on the oldest golf course in the world. You know, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than the Open Championship at St Andrews, and that's what everybody's going to be talking about next week. You've covered the men and women at St Andrews. Have you had a chance to play there? I have. I played it three times, and oh, wow. uh, uh, in fact, in fact, uh, in 2013, uh, the men were playing at uh, Muirfield, and, and then there was a week in between, and then the women were playing at St. Andrews. So I went over and I told my boss, "I'll cover the men at Muirfield. I'll cover the women at St. Andrews. I'm going to take that week in between as vacation." So I just checked in the Scores Hotel for 15 days and uh, I played the old course. Uh, 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 I mentioned that I was coming over, and uh, a member of the St. Andrews Golf Club on Twitter says, do you want to play? And I said, you know, you get a tea time, and I'm picking up dinner, you know, for us. Sure. So that was one of the rounds I got. I, I, I loved it. I, I love Lynx Golf. I, I grew up in western Pennsylvania on a public golf course, didn't have watered fairways, and, and uh, you know, I I'm, I'm started playing golf in the late 50s, early 60s, uh, and I learned golf in a very linksy sort of way. You know, I learned to hit the ball low. I learned to play my short game on the ground, bumping runs with eight irons. So it was fun for me to go there and play that kind of golf. Oh, yeah, look forward to it 
Uh, the British Open starts next Thursday at uh, St. Andrews. Ron, always good to visit with you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Talk to you down the road, my friend. All right, there he is, Ron Syrak, uh, contributor to Golf Channel, longtime golf journalist, award-winning, has written a lot of wonderful books, and uh, here we go. Uh, the Open next week. Love it. You get up early. And, and what's great is on Saturday and Sunday, you, you, you can watch uh, the, the final round of completion and, and still get some chores done on a Sunday afternoon. 11 minutes now in front of 8 o'clock. It is Sports to the Max. Steve in for Mike here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.